Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another exciting episode of Movie Geeks United. It is September Blu-ray rundown uh, that we're going to do on this episode. And, of course, Adam is our savant in this area. <laughs> I'm something. I don't know. <laughs> but, oh, geez. So I would oh, – no, it's not September. Is it? It's it, yeah. We're reviewing the September releases, it, right? We're doing I, the September I, slate. Yes. I don't know what month we're in. I mean, it's just it's that kind of world we're living in now. Bleeding into another. Yeah. So is this uh, how is this uh, horror movie heavy? The roster this month. Or? There are there are a few. Uh, the uh, I think we're probably going to get the bulk of them next month uh, with the Friday the Thirteenth box that you and I have discussed previously. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I know. I kind of am, too, actually. There's no uh, greater but, time killer than watching the Friday the 13th movies. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, I, I am excited, to, uh, And some of the, the extras are really, really uh, something to get excited about. Yeah. New, you know, they've really outdone themselves. But um, mm. speaking of Scream Factory, I think it's worth noting – uh, that and you're talking about the horror movie titles. They have lost the licensing to their MGM titles that they have previously released. So anybody out there who's listening and you have some of the Scream Factory uh, titles that were licensed from MGM UA, you better hold on to them because they're uh, they're getting quite valuable and will be getting even more valuable as time goes on. And I'm talking titles like uh, The Incredible Melting Man, The Beast Within. Uh, even the Pink Panther box set from a couple of years ago is already out of print. Uh, those are uh, the Town that Dreaded Sundown is another mm. one. Uh, Squirm, uh, all, all those are uh, are out of print. And uh, I like the Town that like Dreaded Sundown. Back. The tr- Town that Dreaded Sundown, that original '70s film. There's something just. Uh, I mean, it, there are moments when you watch it and you think it's kind of an amateur affair, even though it has good mm-hmm. actors in it. But there's something un- undeniably eerie about a lot of that movie and i think a lot of it is kind of tied in with i remember my father telling me that he was he was living there or near there around the time Mm -hmm. of the killer of the lover's lane killer or something and so Mm -hmm. i always connect it to that personal experience and think to myself oh how terrifying that must have been but the remake um I actually didn't mind the remake at all i thought it was it tried to do a little something inventive at least yeah, it's kind of a continuation. Even they they tie it into the first movie, so it's it's kind of uh, well, they, inventively they, But done. they literally tie it in as a movie. They tie it yes, in, yes, yeah, right. which makes it different. Well, I have a story about that movie. It's funny uh, that you mention it because I uh, 
You know, isn't it funny? I probably you probably have this experience too. When movies that you saw thirty, thirty-five years ago, you can still remember the trailers that played with those movies. <laughs> Uh, and I have I have that ability to recall trailers that played with certain movies, and I remember when my mother took me to see King Kong in uh, February of '77. They ran the trailer for the Town That Dreaded Sundown uh, before the movie. That was one of the trailers that ran, and I remember sitting there. I was about six at the time, and of course they say it's based on a true story, and he was never caught. He was never. They never found who was doing it. And, and I'm sitting there. I'm six years old, and I am scared to death. Because I mean, these you know, it's, the trailer is very intense, and yeah. you've got this you know this mass killer running around, and they're telling me, a six-year-old child, that this guy was never caught, and he could be any you know, he's basically, uh, I inferred he could be outside the theater waiting on us to to get us when we left the theater. I was so terrified just by that trailer. So yeah. uh, it was effective. Uh, it was effective. And the 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 most most kind of repulsive scene in the movie where he kills the girl with the trumpet—it's just oh yeah, awful. Good God! But yeah. uh, there was a video blog. I forget who did it, but a lot of these video blogs pop up of people visiting the film locations because it's a mm-hmm. big thing now. And they did the town that dreaded sundown, so they went to whatever town mm-hmm. that that movie was shot in. It, it literally is a small town uh, in the south, I think. Uh, and uh, you can imagine it being a, a picturesque, booming, kind of small town, friendly, everyone knows each other back in the 50s when this story took place. Mm-hmm. It's that, but it's all shut down. It's literally a ghost town. Oh, jeez, that's makes, even creepier. Which makes it even creepier, yes. Yeah. So you see the main the main square and the, the little shops, and you imagine the people walking down the sidewalks, you know, and mm-hmm. going to the theater, and it's all abandoned now oh wow yeah that's uh unchanged but uh you know not there's been no kind of take this down and put up a skyscraper no 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 it's all small town charm but it's just in decay it's just gone <laughs> yeah yeah well i will mention now that you're mentioning that because that movie was made by um Oh, uh, what what's his last name's Pierce? I can't I can't yeah, recall yeah, yeah. the director's uh, first name, but um, anyway, Charles B. Pierce. That's it. So anyway, uh, you know, for years the uh, his other docudrama was The Legend of Boggy Creek, which uh-huh. was uh, in public domain and very hard to find. And they have actually gone back and reissued. Uh, they have restored that in uh, 4K. And it is, has uh, been issued commercially on Blu-ray disc. This happened a while back, and they didn't really make much of an announcement about it. So for anybody that's interested in The Legend of Boggy Creek, it finally mm. can be seen. And it was uh, filmed in uh, a 2.35 to 1 widescreen process, so uh, you can finally see it the correct way. And uh, they say the disc has no extras, but I, I hear that it's really uh, – it's it's quite quite well uh, – Restored. It looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And the restoration is good. So, anyway, uh, I tried to watch that once on streaming, yeah. and it was so bad the quality. Oh yeah. That it looked like I was trying to see it from with like a, wearing a panty on my head or something. So I, I just <laughs> yeah. gave up. Son, yeah, all, son, you all. got a panty on your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, for years they said that it was rumored that Quentin Tarantino had the only 35 millimeter print of it. Uh, but his uh, oh, I fam- can imagine that he showed it at New Bev. Yeah, I think he did, and I also think it played in Austin, Texas, at um, the Alamo Draft House. They they ran it at one point too. Huh. So, uh, but anyway, 
for the legend of Boggy Creek, uh, you can now, if you wanted to see it and just couldn't stomach watching the uh, the previous uh, issue of it, now you can finally see it. So. Yeah, and what about the the long winding tale of the Alamo Draft House cinemas? Jeez, like erupted yeah. uh, in scandal after scandal, and they're all shutting down. And from what yeah. I've heard. Yeah, somebody needs to make a documentary on the uh, the Alamo Draft House. <laughs> That's what I think that would make a yeah <laughs> truth is stranger than fiction kind of thing. Oh yeah, I can't even hardly keep up with it. Yeah, mm. boy, yeah, it's a weird situation. And we were hoping to get one of those in our area, but we because uh, we had a, a prime location for it. But it was uh, rumored, but it never happened. But yeah, uh, they just released their LA theater a year or two ago, right? Two years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think they it was just before we traveled there or just after we traveled there early last year that they released it, that they that they opened it. Yeah, I think you're right. It, yeah. it was fairly new. So, uh, yeah, boy, mm. whole other story. Well, shall we get down to the uh, the slate of titles here? And yes. Get these things. All right. Well, we'll start with one from 2000. Uh, Pitch Black has been issued in 4K. Uh, first time ever, and this is uh, Arrow Video is now getting into the 4K game. They've, this is their second uh, 4K release after Flash Gordon last month. And so they've issued Pitch Black, and I, I did get a chance to look at this. Uh, not a great film by any stretch of the imagination. Is this the Vin Diesel? <laughs> yes, it's the Vin Diesel. I was never a fan, uh, and it's not really... Um, it's just not for me. Let's just say that. Is Vin uh, Diesel a good actor? Well, depends on uh, what what role you give him, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, find me guilty. I'm I'm not sure as a lawyer. I am. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I I said, oh wow, when he was cast in that Lumet film, I said, well maybe yeah, maybe Lumet's seeing something that I don't yeah. see. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I just don't know. I don't want to piss off any Vin Diesel fans out there, no, but I, I don't know I what know. kind of range the guy has. And, you know, all the Fast and the Furious movies, I've seen most of them. And it's almost comical how little he does and how <laughs> almost every single line of that movie is, or, or all of those movies, is we're family. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, they, that's they can't stop freaking telling us that they're family. It's like I got, I got it, I got it, man. You don't have to keep saying it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know there were a couple. I, I thought it was funny. There were a couple of years when he thought he was too good for those uh, those movies, and he left the franchise. And boy, he came running back in a hurry, didn't he? So uh, they're huge money makers. Funny. Huge money yeah, makers. I think he figured that out. Sometimes you got to. Figure out what side your bread's buttered on. And I don't think even after seven of them or however many there have been that it's dropped in no. revenue. You know, it just you know. So mm-hmm. you know, good on them. I think the the latest one it was supposed to come out this past spring was the ninth. Pushed it a year. They were the I think yeah. they were like the first ones to actually do that to push the date. Yeah, I think and they a were. Whole yeah. year, you know. A whole year, you know, big. Uh, that was a big uh, decision for them, but it proved to be correct, uh, which we. Weren't I thought it, at the time I thought it sounded a little bit uh, uh, jumping the gun a little bit too much, but hey, they were smarter than I was. So <laughs> anyway, but anyway, this Pitch Black 4K 
uh, by Aero Video. Well, you know they uh, made I'm that decision. You know, you know they made that decision fast and furious. That's good. They sure did. Actually, uh, it was like uh, one minute they were releasing it, and the next minute, the next week, it was uh, well, we'll release it a year from now. So it was pretty fast and furious. No. Uh, but pitch the pitch black 4K. If you are a fan of this movie, I, I got to tell you, it looks terrific. I, I did uh, get the 4K disc and I popped it in, and the uh, oh my goodness, the uh, the image is just really astounding. Um, they've done a really good job. It has the high dynamic resolution that these 4K discs have, which gives you more vivid colors, and uh, so it, it looks great. I just wish um, it was, it was another a movie. movie. That yeah. they had. <laughs> But anyway, if you're a fan, you're going to love it. And um, it has tons of new extras uh, along with a lot of the uh, carryover extras. And it's uh, and it comes with the Blu-ray as well. So if you uh, there's a remastered Blu-ray in that set. So Pitch Black from Arrow Video mm. has been issued in 4K. And I'm curious to see what other uh, uh, titles that Arrow is going to be issuing in 4K. I know they've announced Cinema Paradiso, but that's about the only one I know of. Um, so who knows? <laughs> Pitch Black yeah. and, and Cinema Paradiso. I know, yeah, and Flash Gordon. That was the previous right, one. Right, right. It's, it's kind of a trio there, but uh, anyway. So um, so Warner Brothers has issued uh, several of their catalog titles on 4K. Beetlejuice, The Goonies, and Sherlock Holmes, and Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. Mm. Uh, those are the four catalog titles that we've gotten from uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, I don't think there are any new extras here. I, I think all the only real new stuff you're getting is a 4K upgrade on the, the, the actual picture. But if you are a fan of any of those, and I know a couple of those have uh, have their fans for sure, and Warner's usually does a pretty good job remastering these things. So anyway, uh, a couple of new-ish catalog titles on 4K from Warner's. Um, a couple of the uh, Agatha Christie uh Adaptations have been issued by Kino. We've got Death on the Nile from 1978, mm. Evil Under the Sun from 1982, and The Mirror Cracked from 1980. All of these from Kino. Mm. Or Probably in, a, in, a, in an attempt to capitalize on the Kenneth Branagh sequel, Death on the Nile, which has been pushed back. Right? Right. Yeah, it has. Uh, and I, I think you're probably on to something. I think you are correct. Yeah, this... Um, this uh, one of these, I think it's Death on the Nile, is directed by John Gillerman. Mm. You know, uh, he of King Kong and Towering Inferno fame that I've mentioned many times. Uh, yeah, I think it was uh, one of his. I think he directed too many theatrical films after that. Maybe one or two more. Sheena and the King Kong Lives. What a great like. And, uh, that's about what a great it. thing to be known as. He of the King Kong fame. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, he made, in all fairness, he made a lot of other movies. I mean, he did, uh, you know, what was that war movie he did with George Pappard back in the 60s? There was that. And he did that. One of the Shaft films he did, Shaft mm -hmm. in Africa, he did the third one. Oh, yeah. So, uh, he did, uh, he has an interesting resume, but uh, but Towering in front of when King Kong were definitely the biggest grossing films that he did, of course. But um, anyway, Indecent Exposure from 1981 is a Vinegar Syndrome release directed by Gary Graver. Now, oh, I wow. believe this was the cinematographer of uh, Orson Welles who was involved with uh, Other Side of the Wind. Is, is that not correct, I believe? That is absolutely right. And, you yeah, know, I thought so. His, 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 uh, 
you know, cinematographer, errand boy, all around, you know, what can I do for you, boss kind yeah. of guy. Exactly, yeah. It's about a woman who becomes a swinger and her world changes overnight. That's the plot line. But anyway, uh, Indecent Exposure is uh, is being issued by Vinegar Syndrome. They uh, they have licensed, licensed some MGM titles, so maybe some of the ones that went out of print from Scream – will be reissued by them i don't know but i think that may be one of the ones that they recently got their uh got the issuing or, or the license to put out uh so anyway we'll move along here and like i said all these titles were released at the beginning of september september 1st actually uh the ones i'm mentioning now um we have a couple other things here we have a uh, Irresistible, the Steve Carroll. This is a the recent 2020 uh, film that was released back in June. That was, um, you know, it was just for because there's a lot of stuff that's slipping under the cracks. I thought I'd mention it. Directed by John Stewart and written by John Stewart. Oh, that one. Okay. It's okay. I saw it. It's fine. Uh, it has a few choice moments here and there. Uh, I'm not going to tell you it's the best thing I've seen all year, but uh, anyway, it, it's it's worth uh, you could do worse. Um, so uh, we have Perfect Strangers from 1984. I think this is another of the Vinegar Syndrome. It is from 1984, directed by Larry Cohen, a hitman trying to seduce the mother of a child who witnessed his most recent kill. And this was during the super prolific period in Larry Cohen's career, the late great. So, anyway, um, Perfect Strangers is uh, yeah, Ball Key is the best thing about it. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that the name of their TV show? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was a little slow on the uptake there. What's his uh, name? Yeah. Bronson Pinchot, or and mm-hmm. the other yep. guy was like Mark Lindsay, or I forget that actor's yeah. name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the 1961 uh, Cold War thriller, uh, German film called. Black Gravel. This has been issued by Kino Classics, and it's about a uh, it's about this guy who goes around selling um, gravel out of the back of his truck. And, uh, <laughs> oh, you got me hooked. Uh, Keep going. Uh, it's, uh, that's that's essentially what it's what it's about. That's, and he sells it? it on the black market. He sells this gravel on the black market. So it's supposed to be a good thriller, you know, is what I'm told. So I don't know. Uh, Helmut Kautner is the director. Uh, But anyway, like I said, it's a German film that Kino has issued and uh, with a new new scan and new extras. So anyway, I just wanted to mention it to people if you're interested uh, that uh, Kino Lorber has issued that one. and uh, let's see. So we're moving along. I think we're already up to the next Tuesday, which would have been September 8th. And we have – let's see. Well, we do have uh, Toy Soldiers from 1984. That's uh, with Cleavon Little and Tim Robbins. Oh. Uh, it must have been an early Tim Robbins. But I don't quite remember that one actually. But that was um, – but anyway, on um, – September 8th, we had the Alfred Hitchcock Classics Collection in 4K. Mm-hmm. So for the first time, you can see Rear Window, Vertigo, Psycho, and The Birds in 4K. And I think these may – I know Psycho is issued separately. I'm not sure about the rest of them. But um, 
Anyway. Well, I've heard that the transfers are like, especially something like, uh, I think the birds is like eye-poppingly beautiful. Uh, and then I heard that Psycho is just infused with grain all over the place. Like wow. it's just the grain is just dancing all over the screen. It almost looks like it's been infected by brain-eating amoeba or something. <laughs> uh, but the 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 allure of the Psycho, of course, is that it's the uncut uh, the, the version that's been available, I think, in Germany for a long time. Just a, it's just a few seconds longer. There's like side boob. And then That's there's right. yep. the, there's one one or two extra stabs on uh, on uh, Arbogast in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that. Uh, uh, well, I know there was an issue with the uh, the sound on Psycho. They've had to rec- they had to uh, send out a replacement disc on some of them because uh, I think what it was the original mono track was not included. Uh, on the first pressing, and they they corrected that error. So if anybody bought one and they they noticed that it's missing, that's what's uh, that's what's going on there. Oh, I just so, think that uh, movie is a thing of beauty. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Just some so the, uh, just luxuriating black and white, just so beautiful. The photography and the, the best score Herman ever did in a, in a career of best scores and just such a unique lead performance. It's just a beautifully assembled movie. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And, you know, um, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm actually a fan of at least the first sequel, uh, Psycho 2, which is, I know, not Hitchcock, but it was a good, pretty good yeah. follow up. I uh, uh, about as much as you could uh, hope yeah, for, I guess. It's fine. Uh, and then part three is wacky. Uh, part four, I never. <laughs> yeah. returned, I, I never returned to the uh, McGarris part four. But um, <laughs> you know what I did? I revisited all the Karate Kid movies. Really? Yeah. So the first one is okay. obviously the best. I think this. Uh, I think the second one is surprisingly good. Um, mm-hmm. and actually Avildsen, when, when people would introduce Avildsen, uh, they'd list, you know, Rocky, Save the Tiger, Karate Kid, and he'd always interject with, and Karate Kid 2, because I'm equally proud of that one. Um, and, uh, part three is the silliest shit I've ever seen in my life. That is one stupid, <laughs> supremely stupid movie. Part four, the next Karate Kid is better than part three. So all of you guys listening out there, come fight me. Come on. Give me your best shot. <laughs> I, uh, I remember, you know, I have not returned to part three since I saw it in a theater in the summer of 1989. It's been 31 years. And, uh, you know, I don't remember thinking that it was uh, an absolute train wreck, but, uh, I, I, I remember definitely thinking it was a major come down. So, I, I mean, it was tolerable, I, I guess is what I'm getting at. Definitely not a great film, but, uh, it was tolerable. I could deal with it. So, um, I'd like to, uh, go back because, yeah, I know it has a bad cri- critical reputation. I'd like to go back and. Part four, part four is 25% the stupid that Karate Kid 3 is. Yeah. Uh, at like 85% stupid. Yeah. So, so the next Karate Kid doesn't escape the stupid factor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's still some of it in there, but there's some really, 
kind of authentic moments that they find within the next Karate Kid. Mm -hmm. And I think it has one of Pat Morita's best moments out of all of the films in in one scene of the next Karate Kid when he uh when she's when the girl's leaving for her prom night and then mm-hmm. it's followed by a really dumb like showdown i guess it reminded me that it was made for kids when yeah. I, especially when i watched 3 and 4 but i've seen kids movies before and i didn't feel like they insulted me with their stupidity <laughs> of course there's, there's a lot of intelligent uh, children's films. Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, I now the fourth one was did Avildsen direct the fourth one? I can't even remember. Um, I don't know. I thought he was on board for all of them because it was a. He may have been. I just don't. Paycheck. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, let me see. I don't know. Let me see. Christopher Kane. Did he? The next Karate Kid. Christopher Kane. All right. Yeah, he's the guy that did the uh, the, the uh, George Strait film, Pure Pure Country. Okay. Did he do? Did Avildsen do Karate Kid three? Yeah, he did the third one. I know that for a fact. Oh, good lord. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, he was uh he he was definitely uh, can be blamed for the uh for the third one. I know. I remember uh, Leonard Malton's review of the third one. He says the kid, and he puts in parentheses twenty seven year old Ralph Macchio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny uh, watching Cobra Kai. And my personal opinion is the guy that plays the grown-up Johnny, who was the same person that played him as a teenager in the first film, is a better actor than yeah. Machio. But um, Machio, he has to be in his, I don't know, late 50s at the least. Yeah, he's and, probably uh, at least mid, I yeah, would say. And he is just as awkward as he was as a teenager. It's like adulthood has not shaken him of his... <laughs> Of his adolescence, adolescent awkwardness. Oh, that's great. Well, it's funny how he uh, he fell into that role, and man, that's definitely going to be the one that defines him for sure. Yeah, but you think of what he's done—that he started really to, in our movie consciousness with something like The Outsiders, mm-hmm. and then he has Karate Kid, and then yeah. he goes on. To do my cousin Vinny, mm-hmm, I mean sure. he's 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 been in more iconic films than most. Going back to Psycho, he played Joseph Stefano, the 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 writer, in the movie Hitchcock. Yeah, I forgot about that. He sure did. It's yeah. all all full circle, my friend. Yeah, that is true. Funny, funny, funny. Well, uh, totally different. Uh, film here ghost in the shell the original 1995 film has been issued on 4k by Lionsgate. for anybody who wants a 4k is this the original of... anime or is this the scarlet Johansson? yep yep this okay. is the original anime that's the one so uh and uh, the incredible hulk has been issued on 4k the 2008 ed norton incredible hulk which mm. I, I think is a little bit of an improvement over the ang lee hulk yeah. uh, still not yeah, the digital effects were still a little, a little, a little iffy, but um, it had some nice nods to the TV series in that, uh, in that one, and it was, um, you know, I don't know, it was, it was tolerable. Haven't returned to it since I saw it theatrically, but anyway. Well, I think the biggest uh, boost for, uh, you know, I haven't seen it, but once when it first came out too, but the Edward right. Edward Norton Incredible Hulk was just the genius of casting Nick Nolte as the father. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good casting. 
Yeah, because if you're gonna yeah, the, if you're gonna pass down the anger from one generation to the other, you should cast yeah. Nick Nolte. <laughs> That's true. You got a point. Yeah. So um. Well, anyway, we have two films from Jules Dawson that have been issued by Criterion: The Naked City from 1948. Hmm. And we have. The, uh, let's see. The other one is Brute Force from 1947. These are uh, brand new transfers of two Jules Dawson films. Uh, like I said, the Brute Force 1947, Naked City 1948, new extras, uh, brand new transfers um, for anybody who are uh, fans of these uh, who came out with war that? films. Uh, 47, 1947 for Brute Force, and then the following year, Naked no. City. No, no, I mean the company that that's that's coming oh, it's out. Criterion. Huh? Oh, good. Sorry, Criterion. Good. Yeah, they're giving it the criterion treatment. So, and we were speaking of Arrow Video earlier. They have issued uh, the 1975 film Graveyards of Honor, which is based on the real, on the life of the real life Yakuza member Rikio Ishikawa, who is oh. uh, played by Tetsu, Tetsuya Watari. Wow, look at you! Films. Yeah, I'm spitting them out tonight. I'll take Japanese <laughs> for twelve, Alex. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, a Japanese uh, crime film, and it was remade in 2002, also called Graveyard of Honor. And so it's both versions of Graveyards of Honor, the 1975 and the 2002 film uh, version, uh, remake or whatever. Uh, that's Both of those have been bundled together in a new two-disc set from 2002 Arrow. version is also Japanese? Yes, it is. Yeah, they both oh, are. Good. And this is an Arrow video release and new extras, a ton of... Uh, it's a new transfer, a ton of new extras, uh, as they always do. They always do such a great job. And uh, the Rob Zombie trilogy, which has all three of those uh, Rob Zombie films, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell, have been issued in a box set from Lion's Gate. Yeah, so, I got that. All three of those. Oh, you, you did? Okay. I haven't opened it I yet. Yeah, Honestly, I, haven't, I, haven't. I don't think I've seen a Rob Zombie film, other than, other than yeah. the Halloween remake. Uh, yeah, and I didn't care for that. Uh, <laughs> I did see the uh, the Devil's Rejects, which got fairly good reviews, and I thought it was okay. Um, I know there's that one that he did uh, about the woman. Yeah, it's about the woman who – Sherry Moon Zombie, of course, as always, was the star of it. But she plays a, ra a record backwards or something and unleashes the devil. I can't remember. I know I know Dean always loved it. I hated that movie. Lords of Salem. Hated, hated, yeah. hated. Uh, just can't remember. I remember people were walking out of the theater and they were visibly angry. Yeah, uh, you're talking about you're talking about Lords of Salem. Lords of Salem, yes, that's yeah. it. Thank you. Uh, but I just I, I know I I remember one guy walking out behind me and he said if I'd gone out and taken a uh, a dump in the parking lot it would have been more interesting than anything we just saw in there. I remember a guy saying that. And then and, he proceeded uh, to take a dump in the parking uh, lot. <laughs> <laughs> I uh. I, I, I said, well, uh, yeah, I, I can't argue with you. I thought it was terrible. But anyway, ne nevertheless, um, Doctor Who and the Daleks, the feature film directed by Gordon Fleming from 1965, has been issued by Kino Lorber. Uh, for anybody who's interested, just wanted to mention that. I know we have a lot of Doctor Who fans out there. So... Um, Anyway, there there you have it. Uh, wanted to mention uh, Kentucky Colonels is a Warner Archive release 
and this is from 19 and um, 1938. Oh. Actually, 1937. Sorry, and uh, this is uh, this stars a comedy team of Wheeler and Woolsey, which uh, most of us probably don't know uh, who Wheeler and Woolsey were because uh, one of the one ha- one member of the team, I think it was Wheeler, he died very early and uh, uh, not long after this film was made, and so they probably would be a comedy team that was remembered fondly, uh, like the Marx Brothers or or Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy, but uh, because one of them died so young, they they aren't. But this is a very funny movie, I thought. It actually stars Spanky McFarlane from the Little, the Little Rascals. He was huh. uh, the uh, it's made by uh, distributed by RKO, and it's directed by George Stevens. Yes, I'm talking about that George. Stevens. That's right. That's right. George Stevens started out. Um, uh, doing those kinds of films, he he also worked with um, yes. He also worked with Laurel and Hardy a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. From thinking of the right director, yeah. I think you're correct. This Kentucky Colonels, I I, I received a review copy of it and I, I watched it with some trepidation because you know some of those movies just don't hold up, and it's really funny, really clever. Uh, like I said, Spanky is in it. Uh, he plays this. Uh, like I said, they had loaned him out from. This was when Spanky was at his cutest, you know, when he was like three or four right. years old. And uh, he's he's so great, and he plays this kid with a proclivity for breaking glass, and they adopt him. He's uh, he's an orphan child. They adopt him, and of course he wrecks havoc, and they they wind up inheriting uh, uh, an estate in the deep or an old mansion in the deep south, and so they have to go out there and clean it up and get it ready uh, for possibly selling it or whatever. And they take Spanky with them, and it's just one of those type of movies, and uh, a lot of fun. And uh, the script is by. Uh, Harry Ruby and Fred uh, Giol, who were uh, and Bert Kramer, uh, Bert Kelmar, sorry, they were uh, writers of some of the Marx Brothers' most famous films, like Duck Soup. So, anyway, uh, for anybody who's interested, Kentucky Colonels is a lot of fun. I don't know if I've posted it yet, but uh, I I would be able to post a a show on the films of George Stevens because I did a series of interviews about him, Mm -hmm. and he's interesting because he's, uh, you know, there was the documentary that was made five came back based on um what's his name's right. book mark harris i think uh yeah. about about the film directors that were kind of recruited to document the war and raise morale or what have you um and he was one of the five and he came back and he really changed i mean he really changed as an artist so mm-hmm. we talk about those early efforts like Kentucky Colonels and Laurel and Hardy and all that kind of stuff. He came, right. he, came, he sure. came back and he did stuff like uh, the the Diary of Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a, right. there's quite a few giant, yeah. So yeah, he he very much grew uh, uh, as a socially conscious filmmaker in the aftermath of World mm-hmm. War II. Did you ever see the film that his son made about him called George Stevens: A Filmmaker's Journey? I don't know yeah. if you ever. Yeah, that's really good. That's really, really good. I think. Yeah, for anybody who's interested. Um, uh, so another Kino release is Doctor Who: uh, The Daleks Invasion Earth. This is a part two of the earlier film I just mentioned, Doctor Who and the Daleks. So it's from 1966. So it's a Kino release, and also another Kino release is the 1982 film The Gray Fox with uh, Richard Farnsworth. Farnsworth. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, this was kind of the film, I believe, that that sort of pushed him into the mainstream. I mean, he had had some, you know, he's obviously a stuntman. He started his career as a stuntman, and he had a couple of supporting parts in several films before this. But this was, I think, his first leading role. Does he play like and, a train robber in that? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, just just released from prison, and he's got it in the system. Can't seem to get uh, past it. He, um, he uh, well, the film, rather, is directed by Philip Borsos, who died fairly early of leukemia back in the mid '90s? He he didn't live very long. He he did uh, quite quite a few um, quite a few films in his short career. But this was a, this was a very well reviewed film when it came out, and it uh, still has a pretty good uh, critical score. I think people remember. But anyway, it's been it's another one that's been kind of hard to find in a um, uh, a good transfer, mm. and thankfully that has been. Rectified. So, Tell you what, anytime anyway. you go out and, and and look for soundtracks on LP, the Gray Fox is always there. <laughs> yep, yep, I've seen it. You're right. You are correct. Yeah, that is. This is very, very true. Yeah, it's funny how some of those uh, certain soundtrack albums just seem to, yeah. to turn up. Uh, there, there's some you'll, <laughs> you'll you will always. Yeah. See. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Kind of a variation on uh, the King of Comedy is the 1985 film The Comic. Uh, oh. It's about a, uh, a stand-up comic. Uh, it's in a future police state. A stand-up comic murders a competitor for a job, then get, gets mixed up with a stripper. And this is uh, directed by Richard Driscoll. And oh. um, anybody in it? Yeah. Um, Steve Monroe. Uh, um, I mean that Ber- we'd know. Berderia, <laughs> I really didn't know. Anyway, Arrow Video has released it. Uh, it supposedly has a has a cult following. I, I I am told. But anyway, uh, the comic from 1985. I wanted to mention that for anybody who is a fan and has been clamoring for uh, a release of that. Uh, just wanted to let people know it's out there now. So, um, anyway. So we'll move along. We're still on September 8th, but moving quickly uh, through that day. A Bad Education has been released, which was a, a film that uh, made a big splash, I believe, at Sundance, and it was bought for HBO, and uh, it's the one with Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. and Allison Janney about the true story about the uh, the high school principal who uh, used the school funds for his own purposes, and it's a it's a pretty good movie, actually. I, I saw love it. it. I love it. And I, I, uh, it's one of my favorite movies so far this year, which yeah, I can't imagine seeing many more movies this year because they don't seem to be coming out. But um, no. So I, I think I'll have a top three list at the, at the end of the year. Yeah. But this is definitely on that list. I, I really like it. I thought it was a very smart adult uh, uh, observant uh, comedy. Even even in the way it was uh, directed, I mean, I, th- I think the f- the framing and everything else really contributed. I thought it was very smartly done, and the yeah. best the best most kind of subtle performance I've ever seen from Hugh Jackman. Even though there are times when he has a flamboyance about him, but he, I think he captures like the 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 soul of a sociopath very well in the movie. Oh yes, totally agree. Yeah, I, I liked it. It was it's something I'm probably going to return to. And you know, Warner Brothers is not really issuing any new discs, uh, new product. Uh, they're releasing catalog titles, obviously. But Warner Archive released this one since they're not doing anything right now. Uh, Warner Archive has issued it. And uh, bad so, anyway, for anybody who, yeah, Bad Education, it's out oh. on Blu-ray. So I wanted to make sure people knew about it because it's a very good film. In case you had not seen it, so. 
Caro Diario from 1993, uh, also known as Dear Diary in this country, has been issued by Film Movement. Uh, this is, um, oh, it's about three entries from a man's diary that are put to film in this hilarious self-reflective comedy, it says. So anyway, uh, this guy won uh, the director of this film. Uh, Nanny Moretti, he won Best Director at the 1994 Cannes Film Festival for this film. So Caro Diario or Dear Diary from 1993. Film Movement released it. Has, it contains a making-of featurette, a deleted scene, and a booklet with a new essay by Millicent Marcus. Hmm. So wanted to make sure people knew about that one. The Cary Grant Collection has been issued by Kino Lorber, uh, and that's a collection of his uh, films from 1934 to 1936. Wow! Make sure people knew about that, and make, um, make sure you watch it on LSD. <laughs> Good point, touche. So uh, we move up to September fifteenth. Some pretty interesting titles that were released this day. Some ones that will give us some some conversation here. First, we'll start with the uh, film debut of David Cronenberg from nineteen seventy five. Lionsgate has issued in the on their Verstron. Video Collectors yeah. Series label, which even has the old Vestron video. You remember the one with the cheesy? I, I, I got this. One. I got this one too. Yeah, it look it, it, it huh? looks cool. I mean, because it makes you it makes you feel like you're holding one of those '80s video cassettes. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. that's lightning yeah. and thunder going on where I am. Yeah, dude, don't get fried. <laughs> Jeez, did you hear that? I did. Yes, I did. Wow, that yes. was that was God like saying, "Don't you dare say anything bad about Vestron Video." <laughs> yeah, man. I'll um, give you shivers. <laughs> <laughs> well, looks good. We watched it yesterday. Uh, my kids were here and they had not seen it, um, and they're 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 definitely old enough to see it at this point. I mean, you know, my daughter's a school teacher and my son is second year of college, so I don't. Think. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so anyway, we watch Shivers. It's a it's a pretty crazy movie, right? It's about is a, that the one with the, Marilyn uh, Chambers? No, that's Rabid. Rabid. The next one, nineteen seventy-seven. This is the one about the uh, a bunch of uh, it's a luxury apartment complex on this private island, and uh, they 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 have these an infiltration of parasites that. Turn everybody into sex crazed maniacs, and it's uh, this doctor has to contain everything, or he's trying his best. And anyway, it's uh, it's got some really effective shocks and uh, pretty good. You know, it has that gritty look of those mid '70s movies that we're always talking about how much we miss. And so, anyway, uh, it has audio commentary, a new audio commentary with Cronenberg, and an audio commentary with co-producer Don Comodi. Has oh. new interviews with Cronenberg and. Um, Star co-star Lynn Lowry and the special makeup effects creator Joe Blasco and a couple other featurettes and a new transfer. So Shivers has been issued uh, by Lionsgate on their Vestron collector series, as has Little Monsters from 1989, starring Fred Savage. Oh, yeah. and I know this should turn up on cable quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, um, for anybody who's a fan of Little Monsters, that has also been issued. And Paramount uh, continues their Paramount Presents line. And they have a new 4K restoration of Roman Holiday, the uh, Gregory Peck, Audrey Hepburn Mm. film from 1953. And this includes some uh, some new extras, a new featurette, Leonard Maltin on Roman Holiday, uh, Behind the Gates, uh, which is a featurette on the... The costumes, um, 
Uh, there's a thing on here, uh, a mini documentary on Audrey Hepburn's Paramount years, and there's one on Dalton Trump. From A-list to blacklist, it says Paramount in the 50s, remembering Audrey. Uh, some pretty good stuff. So if you're a fan of Roman Holiday, Man, Paramount, something just flashed in my mind. There's yeah. a there's a movie made in, I don't know, the past 20 years, where they're sitting in a movie theater, and they're mm-hmm. watching Roman Holiday, and it's the scene where Gregory Peck puts his hand in there and pulls it out and pretends like it's been taken from him. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's the most famous I scene do. in Roman Holiday. But it's a it's a movie that has the characters watching that movie in a theater. And I can't hmm. think of what that movie is. I know, I know. I it sounds awfully familiar and I can't uh I can't either. Uh, wow. Anybody out there knows the answer to that, hit me up. MovieGeeksUnited <laughs> at Yahoo.com. We would like to know, yes. Because I I, uh, I can see it in my mind, but I can't uh, I can't recall what movie that is was but um anyway speaking of paramount let's go ahead and go through a few of their you know for years paramount's been kind of sitting on their their uh their classic titles but i guess with no new product coming out they have really been concentrating hard on getting a lot of their classic titles out on blu-ray that have never been issued before and so they did quite a, a job this month with issuing a bunch of titles uh we'll start with private parts the howard stern <laughs> film the biopic Believe it or not, this film has not been issued on physical disc since 1997. Wow. wow. And uh, that's how long this film has gone, and it looked terrible because it was one of the first DVDs when they were still figuring out how to master these things. looked awful. It wasn't even an anamorphic transfer, just awful. And um, so you know, fans of this movie, like myself, have been clamoring for years for it to get re- released. And uh, Pig vomit. Issue, and Yes, pig vomit indeed, man. I would love to have seen some of the deleted scenes that Howard has talked about on the air, but unfortunately there are none here. But it's good to uh, to see the movie in high def. It looks great, sounds great. Uh, I find it very curious that Howard uh, himself did not make any mention of this being issued, so uh, on his show. Um, so I think it's interesting that uh, it just kind of came and went with no fanfare. As much of a deal as it was when the movie came out, and now it's out on disc, and it's like nobody seems to care. Yeah. But I do, and so I wanted to mention it, uh, that it is out, and it looks looks and sounds the best it ever has, and thankfully uh, – and it can be had for about 10 bucks, I think. Uh, so here's some of the other Paramount titles we'll talk about. The Two Jakes has never been issued on oh. Blu-ray, and it is now out. It's another one of those Paramount titles I was talking about. Again, nice. we can agree it is flawed, but we can also agree that it's an interesting failure. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, movie. I've, and uh, I think if you are a Chinatown fan, as as we both are, I think it belongs in anybody's collection that is a Chinatown fan, uh, because uh, you know, like I said, it's um, it has its moments and it is an interesting film. So yeah, Jack know, Nicholson did the very best he could with it. You know, he did, and it was yes. a, it was just a shitty deal all around. And he put it into it. He said, "Screw it, I'm going to direct it. Uh, enough with the infighting. Yeah. Let's get it done." <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad he did, man. You know, he he. Uh, uh, at least it's out there. I just hate they never got a chance to do the third one that they had talked about. That's uh, it's too well, bad. I, I I, 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 I'm confused by what the the thing that David Fincher's doing with Robert Town for Netflix. They said it was a prequel to Chinatown, and Robert Town Robert yeah. Town is writing it, and Dave Fincher is directing possibly. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering. They can say it's a prequel, but is it going to cover? Air 
like they originally thought from the from the uh, from the trilogy, and they're just going to make it happen before yeah. China, the events of Chinatown. I'm not sure. And then Ben Affleck's directing the the Big Goodbye, which covers the making of Chinatown. Can't wait for that. And Chinatown's back in a big way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and speaking of that, whatever happened to that making of the Godfather movie that they announced for HBO? And that was know. announced a couple of years ago. It never uh, seemed to transpire. I don't know. There's so many kind of making of movies and director profiles and stuff like that that just you you wait for them for years and then they pop up and uh, out of nowhere and you just happen upon them because they receive no mm-hmm. press because they were being released years after there was any buzz whatsoever about them. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Pakula documentary is like that. I, you know, I, I saw a trailer for that last year. Like, where is it? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I uh, that I know that's been worked on because, uh, like I said, I I know, I know personally some of the participants in that documentary, so I know that they're doing it. It's just a question of, uh, you know, there's one on Doctor Demento that's been done too. It's been in the can and it hasn't been issued yet. Excuse that's me. another one I'd like to see, to be honest. Uh, yeah, uh, I'd be curious because you know he is influential. He's discovered a lot of. Uh, comic acts over the years and you know he's he's um he's definitely earned his place in popular culture and there's one about uh, harry chapin that's supposed to be coming out pretty soon hmm. um also i'm kind of excited about it. i would be interested to see that so I, I hope these come i hope we get to see the light of day on some of these still no uh, still, still no documentary on manilow pisses me off I know we need one. <laughs> definitely, it's definitely deserved. I know. It. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm saying that facetiously. I love Barry Mello music. Uh, you know, I'm that kind of guy. But uh, but uh, the, ro- that lush romantic music. But I don't know if he's interesting enough for a documentary. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a story there. I, I, I do. But um, you know, anyway. Well, it's, years it's ago, years about. ago, Tom Hanks was going to do a movie with Barry Manilow. He, he was producing with his wife because they produced my big fat Greek wedding mm-hmm. and he was going to produce a, a kind of movie in that independent vein for mostly female audiences where all mm-hmm. of these couples, it tells their stories and it culminates in all of them attending a Barry Manilow concert. Yeah. So it's going to be scored, scored with Barry music and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was a great idea, but I guess it wasn't the most popular idea with financiers. Maybe I don't know. That is a good idea, actually. I I, I think there's uh, I don't know. Sounds like there's I mean, there's something. You know, if you're in menopause, there. that's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Well, uh, so anyway, we'll go through the rest of these Paramount titles: The Sons of Katie Elder with John Wayne and Dean Martin. That's another one. Mm. Uh, Vampire in Brooklyn uh, with Eddie Murphy. And Are we Andrew still on the Paramount movies? Yeah, we're still doing these Paramount uh, releases that they put out on the 15th. Mm. Uh, we're just going to go through them quickly. Uncommon Valor with Gene Hackman. Oh, not bad, not bad. Great, the greatest closing credit sequence of all time. Isn't that isn't that the one where Randall Tex Cobb is just kind of doing Tai Chi in the in the setting sun? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest ever. <laughs> and there's yeah. some kind of like Dan Hill like pop song playing in the background. It's great. <laughs> Forgot about that. Great. Good call. Um, the Phantom from 1996 is another Paramount title. And uh, Barefoot in the Park from oh, 1967. Good. Neil Simon, of course, Jane Fonda and Robert Redford. Uh, that's uh, it's another one. And um, 
That may be all of the Paramount titles that were uh, issued. But anyway, that's a pretty good batch. I'm glad they're digging in into their catalog and issuing. Oh, and there's one more. Uh, we'll mention this. Uh, they have done a Stephen King five movie collection on Blu-ray. Now, this is interesting. Some um, All of these titles have been issued previously on Blu-ray except one, which is a very, very good film. The one that has never been issued would be The Dead Zone, uh, going back no to Cronenberg again. Huh. Yeah, so uh, it is. Um, it looks great, uh, the Dead Zone. Unfortunately, there are no extras, but you also get Silver Bullet. You get both versions of Pet Cemetery, and you get the TV miniseries of The Stand. Get that all in one collection. So that's a it's a pretty good bang for your buck, I think. Mm, they had to throw it in Nick Gar- Mick Garris. <laughs> you know, um, I like Nick Mick Garris. I like the interviews he does. I, I just don't like any of his I, movies. But the um, yeah, what was the for the Dead Zone? That has to be like a top five King movie. I mean, it's got to be on anybody's list. So good, man, and so influential. Uh, you know, they're all. It still resonates today because there are a lot of memes coming up from it. You know, with the uh, uh, Greg Stilson character played by Martin Sheen, is yes. uh, some people are seeing yeah. some um, so, some similarities to some people who were in charge of our uh, yeah. government. I won't uh, name names. Don't want to get funny. political. The, uh, you know, because Chris Walken grabs somebody and he's stricken with a view of their immediate future of some kind yeah. of, yeah. And so uh, he's never stricken with a positive, uh, uh, you know, uh, view, but uh, whatever that is. Uh, That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Everybody's lives are falling apart. Uh, but yeah, so when I died earlier this year... <laughs> Which I did. <laughs> I was apparently segue. was apparently dead for thirty seconds. So the, I, the joke I kind of make about it is like, you know, I might have died, but I, when I came to, I could suddenly see the future, and I always think of like Chris Walken in the Dead Zone, like playing oh, yeah, playing yeah. a party game where I grab people's arms and I tense up, and <laughs> <laughs> and that that's one of the funniest Chris Walken SNL skits was about the Dead Zone. Because do you remember the skit? Yeah, totally. He's, I don't know that I do actually. He's the new guy in the office, and apparently everybody's creeped out by him. All of his coworkers, and he grabs somebody, and he's like, "But all of his uh, visions are 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 completely innocuous." Like he grabs somebody, and the music goes dunk, and he jerks up, and he says, "You gotta get a coffee. You're gonna leave the coffee in the cab. It's not too late." <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna, good you're really gonna eat your ice cream is. too fast, and you're gonna get an ice cream headache. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love to see that clip. I'll have to see if I can find that somewhere. Jeez, that's great. That is great. Yeah, still holds up. You know, it's a great movie with great supporting work from the cast. Terrific, great Cronenberg. And it's odd to see, you know, because we know uh, Martin Sheen as as a much more noble presidential figure. From the West mm-hmm. Wing, so it's interesting yes. to see him playing that role in the Dead Zone. Oh, just such a such an asshole in this in that movie, you know. And, <laughs> and, uh, and he's such yeah, a and he's such so, a genuine, warm-hearted guy. That, that seeing him in the role like that is interesting, just on the face of that. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's so effective. I mean, he, he, you really buy it. You, you totally buy it. Uh, it's it's great. Um, but anyway, uh, we've talked about this in the past and uh, we'll get into it again right quick uh, you know i said uh, disney has uh, announced that they're not really 
prepping any more 4K titles for the foreseeable future. And so the last of their 4K titles are going to be released. Home Alone is one of them. Uh, and I think that's the only of their, uh, you know, now that they own 20th Century Fox, I think that's the only one of their 20th Century Fox titles they're putting out in 4K, uh, in spite of the fact that they're sitting on such a treasure trove, treasure trove of 20th Century Fox titles. That's the one that they chose. But anyway, I never. Nevertheless, I know there are fans. Uh, Hocus Pocus has, is also being issued on 4K. Uh, again, not my favorite film by any stretch. But uh, anyway, I uh, just wanted people to know 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street are being issued on 4K as well from Sony. So those are being uh, issued. Uh, the Ghost Breakers from 1940 is being issued. That's uh, Bob Hope and Paulette Goddard. And that's considered to be one of uh, Bob. Bob Hope's uh, better films. It's one. It's also cited as being a major influence for Woody Allen and his nebbishy, you know, character that he played in so many of those early films. Oh. Uh, I think uh, he. You know he, what? I just um, happen. I just happen to think the the Hocus Pocus and the Home Alone, outside of them being money, yeah. money makers, which I don't quite know how much money Hocus Pocus made in its initial release, but mm-hmm. Home Alone was definitely a blockbuster. They're probably choosing to come out with those two because they're. They have currency every year because mm-hmm, they're, they're tied in with holidays. Yeah, that is true. Hall- Halloween and, uh, and Christmas. Uh, I never I never cared for either one of them. I, I saw Home Alone, I remember, when it came out of nowhere and just was making all that money. And I, I know I'm in the minority on this. I know people who are saying, what's wrong with you? But uh, I have to be honest. I, I saw it in a theater in December of 90, and I sat there stone-faced. I didn't laugh. The, not once the entire film I was rooting for the uh, for the burglars and the kid and I was hoping they would kidnap the kid and just take him out in the woods and this that's, that's what I was hoping for. I, uh, Things got really uh, dark, I, Adam. Uh, just, <laughs> I, I hated him so much. I hated that kid. He was just a smart, smart mouthed, wise ass. You know, I just hated him. I just mm. hated that kid. And uh, you know that and for me, you you have to be able to root for your protagonist. And when I hated him and despised him because he's mouthing off to his parents, you know, it's like wow. I uh it makes it hard for you. So um it's like anyway. it's like torture yeah. porn for kids. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's kinda like that uh that that line from Michael Lonsdale who just died, who's the villain in, in Moonraker, he died this past week at age of eighty nine and he has that great line in uh, the James in the Moonraker, he says uh uh Here's here's Mr. Bond. See that some harm comes to him, and you think about that. that I mean, really, if you think about it, uh, the third act of Home Alone is no different than the third act of of Denzel Washington's The Equalizer. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. They're the same thing. (laughs) It pretty much is. Try to use try to utilize household appliances to annihilate your enemy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I uh, just wasn't wasn't for me, and uh, I remember I, I I was I knew it was the beginning beginning of the end for uh, for John Hughes, and I was correct. You know, I pretty much wrote him off after that. He didn't yeah, really do anything man, that uh, bung load of money off of Home Alone. Jeez. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, but anyway, um, so the Cat and the Canary is another uh, Bob Hope Paulette Goddard film uh, from 1939. Uh, both of those are being issued by Aquino, uh, The Ghost Breakers and Cat and the Canary. Also, The Flying Leatherneck, starring John Wayne and Robert Ryan, a World War II uh, drama, action film, um, 
produced by Howard Hughes, like I said, 1951. It's interesting because Robert Ryan was such an, uh, a left winger and, and John Wayne was such a right winger. I, I wonder how – I bet there were some interesting stories about the production of that film. But anyway. Yeah, there's uh, a lot that – but he – you know, I mean the stuff between he and Hopper were, yeah. was kind of legendary. Wasn't that True Grit or was that the I shoot? I think so, yeah. 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 Yeah, well, Nicholas Ray directed Flying Leathernecks, you know, so he was a big, uh, a big deal. So, Where, where's that lefty Hopper? <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, he'd come on the set screaming that. I bet I can imagine. So, um, anyway, just wanted to mention uh, that that's out there. Uh, Defcon Four from 1985. And we were talking about yeah. movies that we saw. And we can distinctly remember the trailers. Well, this was the trailer that ran with the Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, when I saw it in the theater. I, I do not know why I remember this, but uh, mm. I've never seen the film Defcon 4, but I just remember the trailer playing before Nightmare on Elm Street. I just Defense remember, I just remember the, the poster, which was kind of like an apocalyptic gray wasteland with a buried what? astronaut mask. That's or, the yeah. one. That's the one. I never saw the film, but I just, for some reason, and I don't know why, I have that weird thing that goes on with me where I can remember trailers that played in front of movies that I saw as a kid. I don't have a great. Was, I don't have a great memory of trailers. I remember the theater number, and I remember the seat I sat in. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty good. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, I started I started yeah. picking that up after I died. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny. Well, um, so we'll move along here. Uh, on the 15th, we're just about to finish with the 15th. We have uh, Brian Dennehy, his final film, which was issued uh, late last year, early this year. I think What's the name sort of it? It's a, it's a moving you – know, it's a pretty good moving film, actually. I saw it. Uh, it's uh, He plays like this uh, elderly neighbor that uh, this uh, woman is uh, cleaning out her dead sister's a home and um, the boy befriends the next door neighbor played by Brian Dennehy, who's a widow and a widower rather. And uh, anyway, they develop a friendship. It's it's a really sweet movie uh, and a good send off for uh, Brian Dennehy as an actor. I think. What's the name so, of it? Um, uh, Driveways. Sorry. Okay. It's a it's really short too. It's only like eighty minutes, so Perfect. you can get in, get out real quick. Just like a driveway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. Uh, Spawn of the North, uh, starring George Raft and Henry Fonda and Dorothy Lamour from 1938. That's been issued by Kino Lorber, Studio Classics. I uh, just wanted to get that out there. And um, let's see here. We've got a couple others from the 15th of September. Still making our way through those. Um we also have uh, I Am a Dancer, which is a documentary about Rudolf Nureyev mm. uh, from 1972. This is uh, directed by Pierre Jourdain. And um, I think this was uh, I think this was, this was nominated for an Oscar for Best Documentary Film. It was a Golden Globe nominee for Best Documentary Film. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's a, like I said, a documentary portrait of uh, Rudolf Nureyev at the height of his uh, powers. And this has been released by Film Movement Classics. Um, has a um, Teresa Cupicilli, um, who is uh, one of the um, – I think she's uh, one of his contemporaries. She uh, talks about him in this in a featurette. And then Skylar Brand, 
does um, is a uh, does a book on uh, the American Ballet Theater, and she wow. gives some insights on I Am a Dancer. You so know, anyway, I, I got to tell fan. you, there's nothing better on a on a on a cold winter's night than a big coup of chili. <laughs> <laughs> True, true. Well, anyway, I am a dancer. Uh, is has been issued, and uh, Ivan's XTC. That's uh, that's the one I was going to get to, um, which is they're uh, not directed by Bernard Rose. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. this. It's actually an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting film. I saw it a couple of years ago. It's been hard to find. It uh, stars Danny Houston and Peter Weller, and basically what it is is a. Uh, uh, it's a reworking of a Tolstoy short story, and except they've uh, – it's an update on Tolstoy's The Death of Ivan Ilyich, but it's set in contemporary Hollywood, and basically the plot of it is that um, uh, this Hollywood executive has lung cancer, and he's dying, and he refused to, refuses to accept the fact that he's, that he's dying, and it's a pretty fascinating film, I think, uh, very well made. Um, Kind of fell through the cracks when it was released in 2000. Like I said, notoriously hard to find, but Arrow Video has released it. Ivan's XTC, starring Danny Houston and Peter Weller, and I would uh, recommend that. And Bernard Rose is most famous for Candyman, right? Did he do that? He is, yes. Yeah, that's odd. This is a much, much, much better, much better film than Candyman, I think. (laughs) Uh, Disputed Passage from 1939, starring Dorothy Lamour and Akim Tamaroff. Um, it's like I said, been issued uh, by Kino Lorber, and then uh, we have another Kino Lorber release here, Five Graves to Cairo, which is one of Billy Wilder's early features from 1903. It's a uh, it's a wartime espionage thriller and um, written by Charles Brackett along with Billy Wilder, and uh, this features uh, it stars Eric von Stroheim, Francho Tone, and Baxter, and uh, and it features an audio commentary by uh, uh, somebody that we know, uh, film historian Joseph McBride, has mm. provided the commentary here. He does the, uh, and there's a theatrical trailer as well. So anyway, Five Graves to Cairo, a Billy Wilder film. If you're a Billy Wilder fan, which I am, I just wanted to mention that pe- people uh, that that was out there. Um, also have Lord Love a Duck from Kino. That's another one of their. Uh, releases. This uh, stars Roddy McDowell and Tuesday Weld and Ruth Gordon and uh, Harvey Corman is in this as well. And um, anyway, it's basically about a teenage uh, sex pot played by Tuesday Weld uh, doing what she did very well there. <laughs> and uh, she, Roddy McDowell, basically, which he was almost 30 when he made this film, I think. But anyway, he plays a high schooler who basically uh, makes his mission in life to get her what she wants so he can get in her good graces. And um, it eventually leads to him being imprisoned. I won't give away all the details, but it's a satire of uh, Southern California in the 60s. And uh, it has a lot of fans. Uh, it generally got good reviews. Uh, it does. It The humor just doesn't quite gel, doesn't settle with me. It's not my style of humor. It doesn't quite work. It's uh, for me, but I know there are a lot of fans, uh, so I'm that's not necessarily a reflection of the quality of it. I think it's incredibly well made, technically. Uh, I love the, uh, the the craft of the film. It's just the humor doesn't quite do it for me. But um, anyway, it's uh, written by Larry Johnson and George Axelrod and directed by George Axelrod. So there you go. Lord love a duck hmm. for whatever. So um, 
Morricone conducts Morricone as a uh, documentary from 2004 with uh, Ennio Morricone uh, about him uh, doing a concert of his uh, of, of scores. And this is being issued by Euro Arts, and it runs uh, just a shade under two hours. So I guess if you're a, a fan of Ennio Morricone, which I guess we are, uh, you might want to look for this Morricone conducts Morricone. It's an interesting little uh, concert film, I guess you would say. So anyway, Crackers from 1984 stars uh, Donald Sutherland, Jack Warden, and Sean Penn. And a wow. photograph what? by Laz Kovacs. What's that? Sean Penn? Yeah, he's in it, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's quite quite an interesting cast. Also, Wallace Shawn and Christine Baranski, and directed by Louis Maul. Huh. Um, I'd like to tell you that it's that it's good. I remember when it came out. It just doesn't. Again, uh, it's just not my kind of humor. Uh, it doesn't it just kind of falls flat. Uh, in spite of all this, these great cast. But anyway, for fans of Crackers, and I know there are some people who are, who grew up with it, seeing it on um, on cable, which it ran uh, quite frequently on HBO back in the day. I uh, just wanted to let people know that it's out there. It's available from Kino Lorber Studio Classics, for whatever it's worth. Um, so anyway, Death Wish 3 has been, reissue, has been issued, I should say, from Scorpion and distributed by Kino. That was, uh, you know, I think the last one that Michael Winter did. He did the first three, and then that was it. Um, oh. Also, yeah, they after, have issued, after that, it lost that Michael Winter touch. <laughs> yes. It just went totally downhill after that third one. <clears throat> I think it lost the Michael Winter touch after the first one, if you ask me. But it's, uh, I did re- even I, though he was, I rewatched the first and the second one not too long ago because they were streaming on Amazon yeah. or something. Yeah, not, not good. <laughs> uh, not at all. I even watched the Bruce Willis remake, the one that uh, what's his name did Eli Roth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, just doesn't quite doesn't quite get it. But anyway, uh, Scorpion releasing has issued the 1991 film. Um, uh, let's see, Clifford, starring Martin Short. Sorry, who? Uh, I think this was a notorious failure when it came out. It sat on the shelf for a couple of years before they even released it. But anyway, for anybody that's interesting, interested, I just wanted to uh, to mention it. Uh, so we're moving right along to September 22nd. Uh, Full Metal Jacket has been issued in 4K. Mm-hmm. The restoration uh, supervised by Leon Vitale. Uh, a lot of controversy as usual with these Kubrick releases because. You know, his intended preferred ratio, aspect ratio was 1.33 to 1, and these things are getting the 1.85 to 1 uh, aspect ratio on disk. So there's a lot, some people who are purists who are not exactly happy with that. But, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, who's to say? I'm not trying to, uh, to uh, take a side on either. I just wanted to mention that, uh, that there's, I did see some, some uh, mention of that in, uh, online, but anyway. Yeah, there's uh, back in the early days of the Kubrick series, back in 2010, we did interviews with uh, an interview with Glenn Kenny, who just came out with his Goodfellas book. But mm-hmm. uh, we did an interview with him, and he went off on aspect ratios and in, in of Kubrick films. And in that rant, he he kind of did a takedown of Jeffrey Wells, who does the Hollywood Elsewhere blog. Mm-hmm. So um, we aired like regular episodes of the Kubrick series, but it wasn't until a couple of years later that we released all the uncut interviews, including Glenn Kenny's apparently Jeffrey Wells, uh, 
played that uncut interview for the first time and heard his name evoked in a negative fashion, and the war between the two of them erupted all over again about the aspect ratio. Wow. <laughs> issue. Yeah, there are some vociferous arguments on both sides of that issue. Interesting. Well, you just never know. Well, that's um very curious. Well, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention it's out there. I, I read some reviews. I did not get a, a review copy of it, but I heard that the transfer is not really a big jump up in quality from the Blu-ray. I heard that it, you know, it it, it looks good, obviously, but that it's not. If people are expecting some, you know, uh, earth-shattering revelation in the uh, the transfer on 4K, it's just not not quite. But anyway, um, I just wanted to mention that it's out there. Whiplash has also been released in 4K. The uh, the, the 2014 Academy Award winner, um, J.K. Simmons, of course, winning, and two other awards as well. Uh, that's been issued 4K, like I said. Uh, Vincent Price Collection has been issued from Screen Factory. I think this had been uh, issued before. But uh, went out of print due to them losing some of the licensing on some of the titles. But uh, back in print with Fall of the House of Usher, The Pit and the Pendulum, The Haunt Palace, The Mask of the Red Death, Witchfinder General, The Abominable Dr. Fibes. All of those are in one collection from uh, from Scream Factory. Ooh. Wow. So um, anyway, The Wind Rises is a, is a Shop Factory release from their uh, their uh, a subsidiary of uh, label that they have, G Kids, and it's of course Hayao Miyazaki who directed Spirited Away. It's a uh, one of his more acclaimed. Well, most of his films are acclaimed. This one takes place, uh, and this one's no different. It takes place in 1923. It's about a, a man who um, is obsessed with becoming an airplane designer uh, in the year 1923, and done in that uh, you know. That uh, style that, that he was famous for, uh, an anime film, of course. But anyway, if you're a, a Miyazaki fan, fan, wanted to mention that. Also includes uh, exclusive booklet and a documentary episode of 10 Years with Hayao Miyazaki, Behind the Microphone, uh, Film Completion Press Conference, and the trailer, and these spots. Wow. So anyway, um, just wanted to mention that. Uh, Ghost Ship from 2002 is a Screen Factory release. This was when uh, – I think this was one of those Joel Silver. You remember when Joel Silver yeah. and Robert Zemeckis uh, were releasing those horror films in the early 2000s? This is another one of those. Um, you know, I know it has its fans. Uh, I never actually saw it. I missed it when it came out and still have not gotten around to seeing it. But anyway, there's a collector's edition of Ghost Ship, which the title pretty much says it all. Uh, Dark Castle Entertainment, I think was the name of that. Right. That Right. That, what that, was the uh, – another one of those movies was the Halle Berry in an Insane Asylum, the one with Robert Downey Jr. It, yeah. That was another one of those string of those kinds of movies that they did. Was The Haunting of Hill House the remake of that? That was earlier. Yeah, they did The House on Haunted Hill they did. Right. And uh, the, the House of Wax, I want to say, is another one right. that they did. Uh, they did a whole slew of those. And they put they Paris did. Hilton in The House of Wax, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah she got killed. Earlier on, which was uh, a, a real selling point. You know, that's your first indication me. that you're dealing with a great movie, right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, exactly. Yeah. We got to class so, this uh, thing up. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, this new uh, collector's edition of Ghost Ship from Scream 
Directory includes a new audio commentary with director Steve Beck and new interviews with producer Gil Adler, actor Isaiah Washington, and special makeup effects supervisor Jason Byard, Baird, sorry, um, and several other uh, featurettes and such that were on the original issue that have been carried over. So Ghost Ship has been issued by Scream Factory. And another uh, one that's worth mentioning here is um, – Oh, and I failed to mention this earlier. I think uh, it was uh, it was a uh, Bo Travel from 1999 is a Criterion release. Um, not really familiar with that one, but um, anyway, just wanted to throw that one out there and mention that that title was issued. A uh, Mask of the Red Death has also been issued by Scream Factory as a separate release. This is the uh, the one with uh, Vincent Price. Uh, mm-hmm. You can get that separately. Uh, I know a lot of the um, Miramax titles. Uh, had gone out of print. I think uh, the Weinstein Company didn't own them anymore, and they, uh, I think Lionsgate had them, and the Lionsgate's uh, agreement to license them had elapsed. Well, now Paramount has them and has reissued a bunch of them. We've got uh, From Dust Till Dawn, The Faculty, the Scream 3 movie collection, which has the first three movies. Not sure why the fourth one's not in there, but anyway, um, Jackie Brown, you have Serendipity, The Crow, The Mimic, movie collection, the Kevin Smith three movie collection, Sin City and you have Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill two movie collection, The Prophecy the complete collection uh, Gangs of New York, The Others No Country for Old Men The Spy Kids collection Scary Movie 1, 2, and 3 The Hellraiser four movie collection She's All That um, Goodwill Hunting Hard to believe these were all out of print. Uh, Hero, Copland, and Kill Bill 1 and 2 uh, separately as well, and Bad Santa. So those are some of the uh, – Chicago is another one, Finding Neverland, The Adventures of Shark Boy, B- Bridget Jones' Diary, uh, just a whole bunch of those that were um, that were issued by uh, the Weinstein – or the Miramax hmm. and had kind of fallen into uh, – into limbo as far as being uh, available on uh, Blu-ray, but they're back in print through Paramount. Uh, Christ Stopped at Ebo- Ebola uh, from 1979. That's a one I'm not too, too familiar with it uh, either, but it's a Criterion release, so uh, they saw fit to put it out there and just wanted to, to mention that. Uh, the Passenger has been issued on Blu-ray. Uh, the Nicholson? This, yeah, this is Nicholson and Maria Schneider, I think, really? Sony has reissued this. Yep. You know who uh, owns yeah. uh, you know who owns a print for that? Uh, who? No, I don't. Nicholson. Really? Yeah, that's what uh, I heard because they did some kind of theatrical release for it over a decade ago, mm-hmm. and uh, Nicholson owned it. He had it like the, the 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 master print in his vault or something. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly. Interesting. I love that movie. Yeah, it's 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 a good it's good it's definitely uh it's definitely one of the more interesting films of that period uh, of his career. I mean, you know, and he was and he he had a lot of interesting films. It's hard when you think about it. That was the same year as Cuckoo's Nest. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, actually, he was always very daring in in working international with international directors. I mean, he wanted he wanted to cultivate as diverse a body of work as possible. Hmm. That he did. I mean, there are others like that. I mean, De Niro to 1900 with Bertolucci and Sergio Leone. You know, I think I think that's always like a smart thing. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, 
Well, I wanted to mention a, a couple of other Sony titles. Like I said, that's being issued by Sony. Uh, you also they are also also issuing "I Love You to Death" from 1990, well, directed by Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. Yep, oh, and man. the bitter. T- William, William Hurt is so funny in that movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been. It's. Uh, I remember him being quite good, actually. Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, need to go back and revisit that. Uh, the Bitter Tea of General Yin from 1933, which is one of Frank Capra's earliest films. That's another one from Sony. So they put all these out. Uh, wow, they really dumped uh No, Paramount really dumped them, uh, all those Miramax yeah. movies. But Sony's yeah. come out with quite a few, too. Yeah, the Miramax titles, uh, they just dumped all of those back out. So uh, they, um, you've got... Uh, Quite a few there. Uh, a couple more Kino titles. Uh, the Art of Love from 1965, starring James Garner and Dick Van Dyke, El- Dick Van Dyke and Elkie Summer and Angie Dickinson. And then we have Never Steal Anything Small, starring James Cagney and Shirley Jones from 1959. Wow. And uh, you have That's Entertainment 1, 2, and 3 has been issued in a collection from Warner Archive with all the extras that accompanied the original releases of those on DVD. Uh, this and then you have a three-film 4K collection of the Stanley Kubrick titles that have been issued so far, which are 2001, The Shining, and um, Full Jacket. So you can get a box set that has the ones that are out there now. Hmm. And uh, the Children of the Corn series has been uh, Oh, God. How, big, how big is that box? Yeah, I know, right? It has the four. It's the four-movie collection, actually, and it's uh, Paramount is issuing it. It's another one of those that was... Uh, Miramax, I think, had was the original distributor, and it's uh, basically Children of the Corn three, four, five, and six. <laughs> They'd start with six, three. Six, six. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think they control the first three. Wow. Uh, five. There's been nine Children of the Corn movies. Or, or three. I'm sorry. The first two they don't own the rights to. It's three, four, five, and six, six, six is the 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 name of the last oh, one. Great. <laughs> so there's been nine movies. In that series, I think so. Yeah, good, yeah. Good God, are are any of them any good? That's the question. How, why? Like how? How do they make money? I mean, I ov- ov- obviously, most of them are direct to DVD or something. Mm-hmm. They gotta be, huh? I think so. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, just wanted to mention that that those are uh, those are out. Um, and Dracula and Dracula 2, I think that's, um, that's the one with, uh, Wes Craven or something, Wes Craven's Dracula or something. Anyway, those are, anyway. Nevertheless, uh, yeah, those are a couple of, oh, and don't be a menace to, uh. While drinking your juice in the hood. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's another one. Anyway, I missed those, so sorry about that. Well, anyway, um, so that pretty much covers that day. We'll move on to the final day of the month, which is this coming Tuesday. And we have, the Elephant Man is being issued by Criterion mm. in a director approved with uh, David Lynch's signature on the front here. And, um, you know, this has been issued overseas in a 4K issue by uh, um, I forget who put it out. But anyway, it was issued earlier in Europe and I knew it was going to come here. It's not in 4K. Unfortunately, it's just Blu-ray, but uh, it is the same 4K transfer. I will tell people is a new 4K digital restoration with uncompressed stereo soundtrack. We have uh, David Lynch and critic Christine McKenna reading from Room to Dream, a 2018 book they co-authored. You have archived interviews with David Lynch, 
John Hurt, Mel Brooks, who produced it along with Jonathan Sanger, director of photography Freddie Frank, stills photographer Frank Connor, and makeup artist Christopher Tucker, whose makeup is pretty incredible in this film. Uh, there's an audio recording from 1981 of an interview and Q&A with Lynch at the AFI. The Terrible Elephant Man Revealed, a 2001 documentary about the making of the film. Uh, Joseph Merrick, The Real Elephant Man, a 2005 program featuring archivist Jonathan Evans, trailer and radio spots, and uh, excerpt an interview with Lynch from the 2005 edition of filmmaker and writer Chris Rodley's book Lynch on Lynch and an 1886 letter to the editor of the London Times concerning Merrick by wow. Francis Culling Cargom. Wow. The, the character that's played in the film by John Gilgood. So it's an actual letter by that person, the real person that John Gilgood plays in the film. Anyway, if you're a fan of The Elephant Man, which I am, I uh, saw this in a theater when it came out. In the, we didn't get it till the spring of 81. It was released in fall of 80, but it didn't come around our theater until the spring of 81. I saw it around March or April of that year. I was quite taken with it and have been ever since. Beautifully photographed in uh, Panavision by Freddie Francis and uh, – has a few of those uh, David Lynch surrealist touches yeah, a few. in there, in, in but it also has a, a straightforward narrative and that you can definitely get on board with. I, I don't know. I think it's a great film myself. Um, so anyway, The Elephant Man finally getting its due on uh, Blu-ray, and uh, we have Gotcha from 1985. <laughs> yeah, Anthony yeah. Edward, Linda Fiorentino. <clears throat> Oh, is that who that is, Linda Fiorentino? Yeah. Yeah. Another soundtrack LP you will always see. In the <laughs> right, oh, next, right next to the Gray Fox. And it's alphabetical. I mean, they're right side by side. Yes. Yes, this is true. Well, anyway, the Vincent Spano, Michael Winslow uh, starring, and Jamie Gertz, uh, they all star in Atlantic, or I'm sorry, Alphabet City from 1984 which a New York City drug dealer decides to get out of the business but has to flee from mobsters. This is from a new uh, upstart company called Fun City Editions. Uh, not really familiar with that Vincent distributor. Spano. No, get Vincent Spano. What became of him? That's a good question. Good, good question. But um, anyway. You know how uh, you know how Roseanne Arquette made that documentary on Deborah Winger? Like whatever happened to Deborah Winger years ago? Mm-hmm. That's going to be my documentary, Whatever Happened to Vincent Spano. <laughs> well uh yeah it'll be it'll be very popular on the festival circuit yeah probably so you know uh deborah winger has a new film uh coming out uh Cajillionaire, i think is the name of it I yeah, just yeah, was yeah. Reading. richard jenkins the uh who did yeah. that one that's um may uh may uh miranda um, uh miranda july yeah yeah miranda yeah but this was the period of time when deborah winger had, hadn't worked in a while when rosanna made that movie uh, I think she had, she had yeah. kind of taken a brief leave of absence, but I think it was more, if I remember correctly, it was probably more metaphorical, like women of her ilk. Why aren't they represented more often on screen? Mm-hmm. I think you were correct. Well, Vinegar Syndrome has issued the Memorial Valley Massacre from 1989. You're talking about those horror titles. This one actually have has a couple of actors of note, William Smith and Cameron Mitchell, who are cult actors that uh, most big film fans would know. Uh, campers on a holiday are terrorized by an axe-wielding maniac. Like I said, 1989 uh, Vinegar Syndrome uh, release that we have. And uh, we're getting down to the 
the bottom of the pile here, we have a couple of reissues of Halloween in 4K and Evil Dead 1 and 2. Uh, those have previously been issued, but it's new packaging. So those are getting uh, another issue. And um, we have a Bloom House, uh, House of Horrors. Oh. Bloom House of Horrors 10 movie collection. Uh, 2013 to 2019, I think that's Universal, is putting that out. And um, like I said, getting right down to the the bottom of uh, Death Rage from 1976, starring Yul Brynner. Uh, that's been issued, I think, by I believe that's a Scorpion release. Uh, Kino is distributing that. Uh, Wicked City from 1987. That's another one of theirs, I think. Um, Martin Scorsese's World of Cinema, a uh, World Cinema Project. I'm sorry, uh, Criterion release. Mm-hmm. This is a box set of. Uh, this is volume three of this set, and the Criterion has issued this, and it's um, uh, he's cur- curated films from Martin Scorsese. Um, I'm not sure how many. I think there are six films in this uh, collection. Uh, Genesis Two and Planet Earth are two television films produced uh, or and or written by Gene Roddenberry of Star Trek fame, uh, 1973 and 1974. Anyway, Warner Archive has issued these as a two disc set. So uh, anyway, for anybody who's interested, and then we have uh, oh, let's see, we have Thomas and the Magic Railroad starring uh, Peter Fonda, <laughs> the 20th anniversary edition. Oh boy, 2000. But um, yeah, I remember this got terrible reviews when it came out. But um, anyway, this is a Shout Factory release, so. For anybody uh, who has fond memories of Thomas and the Magic Railroad, there you go. Uh, we talked about this one last month, but I'll mention that the date got changed. Pandemonium, the uh, the film that uh, that was um, um, written by our uh, one of our previous guests, who also wrote uh, uh, Rock and Roll High School, and we're talking about Richard Whitley, who was on. Joined us last November for an episode about Rock and Roll High School. Anyway, this was a horror movie parody uh, originally called Thursday the 12th, and then they changed the name of it to Pandemonium. But anyway, for anybody who's a fan of this movie, I wanted to mention that the date got changed, got pushed up a month. Um, for anybody who wanted to uh, to get a copy of that or was curious about it, I actually uh, pre-ordered one so because um, I do want. I haven't seen it in years and years and years. Yeah. And uh, I think we're just about done here. I think we got um, let's see, just maybe one or two more. Jeremiah Johnson and Memphis Bell are being reissued by the Warner Archive. They've gone out of print, so they have been reissued. Uh, and I don't remember seeing Jeremiah Johnson. I know I, I have. I need to watch it again because that's one that always yeah. com- comes up when you talk about seventies westerns. People love that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. John Milius. Yeah. Oh. It's true. It has all of his sensibilities right there. <laughs> well, and we'll uh, wrap things up with two uh, more releases from Kino. We have Havana from 1990, directed by Sidney Pollock. I rewatched that uh, earlier this year. and um, Yeah, what was your... Uh, uh, you know, it's... Um, Sidney Pollock was, was a very polished, competent director, and he... Uh, and occasionally he made really great movies. I really like Sidney Pollock. I like him even more as an actor. But uh, it was a—it's a good, polished 
Hollywood production, which is what Sidney Pollack was great at. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's about it's about movie stars and glances from the other side of the room from one sex to another and it pretends to be about revolution at the same time and politics and meaningful things, but really it's about stars gazing in each other's eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's fine. It was enjoyable to me. Lena Olin, yeah, she was the female lead, right? Yeah. And the great Raul Julia. Mm-hmm. Boy, we miss him. Yeah. Well, I have one more title, and uh, speaking of Robert Redford, this is when he directed the Malagru Beanfield War from 1988. Wow. So I know that was pretty critically acclaimed when it came out, and I, I have to say I've never seen it. It's the one that rarely gets talked about when you talk about yeah. Redford's directorial efforts. Mm-hmm. You know, all of his other ones kind of overshadow it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so uh, anyway, Kino releasing those, and uh, good for them. Glad they did. So anyway, there's our uh, there's our Blu-ray slate for the month of all September. Right. So we had uh, quite a quite a variety there. <laughs> 